Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Good evening and a warm welcome to Joy 99.7 FM and to Springboard the Virtual University. Get ready tonight for an insightful hour of instruction and repositioning for the future. My name is Albert Okran, and from now till you graduate at 8 p.m., I promise that your personal value will simply shoot up. Helping me serve you tonight are my virtual academic board comprising Comfort, the, the Registrar, along with Matthew and Amos. Springboard is a thematic radio seminar with a simple mission of raising a new generation of African leaders and executives using the medium of human capital development. This broadcast is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy, your number one partner for world-class corporate training and your superstition joy 99.7 FM. It is brought to you by the kind courtesy of EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank. Let's start with our scripture for today and today we're focusing on raising godly children. As we build up to the Teen Prenership Conference, we want to raise godly children. And so I'm going to give you two verses from the Bible. Just post the book of the Bible and the chapter only. Don't bother about the verse. I can actually tell you the verses. They are verse 15 and verse 17. But tell me, which book of the Bible has these two verses? And the one who gets it correct will get a copy of or a ticket to Teen Preneurship 2014. If you are a teenager, that makes it for yourself. If you have teenagers at home, why not? And so here are your verses. Verse 15 says, The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Verse 17, Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Where can these two verses be found? What book of the, which book of the Bible and uh, which chapter? If you can send it to Springboard the Virtual University Facebook page. Don't send it to my Facebook page. Springboard the Virtual University is the page to send it to. The first person to send it there gets a ticket to Teenpreneurship 2014. Talking about conference, the Festival of Ideas came off last Thursday as promised, the 14th of August at the Labadi Beach Hotel. As expected, it brought together a number of top CEOs, chief operating officers, board members, senior management, and public officials to deliberate on the theme of strategic repositioning. Let me thank our sponsors, Labadi Beach Hotel, Manet Housing, Delta Airlines, and IFS Financial Services for making it happen. The array of media partners supported us and gave it traction through live coverage and other media interventions. So let me thank Joy 99.7 FM headlining our team of media partners, XYZ Radio, Live FM, Business and Financial Times, The Graphic Communications Group, The Finder, Afrostar and Coastal TV. Our technology partner was Dream Overall. I must also take time to appreciate the companies that bought corporate tables and came with their full cream or crop of senior executives. Let me appreciate Barclays Bank, headed by their CEO, Patience Achanu, for being there. Enterprise Group, led by Kelly Gajipo. The Bond Financial Services, led by George Ofusuhine. Lockwood Institute, Franklin Asari. Josbank Group, Dr. Siawe Japan. And then Mr. Ivan Navarire of Ghana Life Insurance, among other CEOs who attended. There's so many of them, we cannot name all of them, but let me appreciate Colindia at law as well. And then, of course, representatives from the first group, which came all the way from Dubai. I've gleaned my 
top 15 ideas. It was a difficult selection. How do you select 15 ideas from a festival that has so many ideas on, on board? But I've gleaned my top 15 ideas from the Festival of Ideas. And after, after later in the program, I'll show you how you can get all those 15 ideas and possibly implement some of them to give you an advantage. But let me salute our resource persons who led us throughout the festival. Dr. Mensa Otalo, keynote speaker, Dr. Vikram Mansharamani from Yale University, Professor Ian Shapiro also of Yale University, Charles Mensa of Trust Consult, Mr. Sangudele who will be sharing some thoughts with us tonight, and then Professor Robert Hinson of the University of Ghana. These were the resource persons that spoke at the Festival of Ideas. On your part, if you were there or you listened on radio, what is the one big idea or lesson that you gleaned from the Festival of Ideas 2014? Share it with us on Springboard, the Virtual University, or Legacy and Legacy Facebook page, or you can send it to us by SMS on one four two two across networks. If you want to send it by WhatsApp, the number zero two four four three four zero four three seven. What is the one thing that you learned, or one lesson you picked up from the Festival of Ideas? One of the stars of the Festival of Ideas this year was Ghanaian venture capitalist Sangu Dele, who spoke so powerfully on financial optimization for growth. A brief message, 17 minutes exactly, but full of notable ideas for repositioning your company financially. Later in the program, I'll bring you a full playback of that speech. Also, we will be turning our attention to the teenagers and how to reposition them. I have five teenagers waiting in the wings to give us some ideas about what the next generation will do differently. I have the top, the medium, and the bottom range. They are all here. Some of the ideas that were shared at the festival are due to manifest in the next decade. How ready are your children to engage the whole world in business and seize their opportunities? Will they be able to stand up and be counted and compete with their colleagues all across the world. I will introduce among the five teenagers are two who just returned from South Africa after attending the African Leadership Academy summer camp on a $4,500 scholarship courtesy of the Team Prenership Conference's collaboration with that academy. You will find out how your teenage child can get a chance to learn about investment, public speaking, ethics and values, business plans, writing a CV and lots more. And if you are listening and thinking of giving an underprivileged child a chance, you will find out how to make it happen for someone, and God will definitely remember you and reward you. And so last Thursday, the venture capitalist Sangudele spoke on financial optimization for growth. He has previously spoken at Harvard University, Cornell University, and several other top institutions worldwide. He's rated as one of 30 emerging leaders under the age of 30 to watch in Africa. Tonight, I bring you a playback of his speech shared at the Festival of Ideas. If you pick anything interesting from it, let us know so the whole world can know what you think about these thoughts on financial optimization. Stay with us for the next 17 minutes as we listen to the message from Sangu Dele. Please don't go away. It is truly an honor and a privilege to be here today to share my thoughts with such an esteemed and exceptional group of leaders in Ghana. In fact, I feel like I should probably be the one sitting down taking notes and drinking from the fountain of your collective wisdom. I am thankful and grateful to Legacy and Legacy for the kind invitation and the honor bestowed upon me. Without further ado, I shall share some thoughts on financial optimization and repositioning for growth. 
These are truly challenging and turbulent times in our beloved republic. Having been the fastest growing economy, not only in Africa, but the whole world in 2011, we are now headed for the third successive year of slower growth as the double-edged sword of twin deficits. Our current account deficit and our fiscal deficit pierces our economic buoyancy and threatens the gains of the last decade. We experienced strong and broad-based economic growth over the past two decades, outperforming our regional peers in economic development and poverty reduction, propelled by outstanding democratic credentials and a highly rated business climate relative to our peers. Businesses today already face problems including lack of access to affordable credit and unreliable electricity supply. High interest rates and a weak and continually declining currency have only exacerbated our economic malaise. But the real crisis lies in a crisis of confidence that both investors and the business community have in our economy and the managers of our economy. As a venture capital investor and an entrepreneur with a well-diversified portfolio, I have felt the pain and have been forced to make painful decisions to downsize some of our portfolio businesses in Ghana. But I have also seen the diamond in the debt. I have witnessed our healthcare businesses experience robust growth, even in U.S. dollar terms, double-digit growth in the face of 40% plus depreciation in the currency. After all, when you are sick, you are not going to say because the dollar is four or five, you are not going to seek medical care. And I've seen and strongly believe that we'll continue to see significant distress, which will produce extraordinary investment opportunities. Where does this leave business, and how can we best position ourselves? I remember the story from when I was a little boy. I had scored 96% on an exam, and my mother, who's here today, was furious. Where is the 4%? She fumed. My brother Bangu attempted to defend me, and she was unrelenting. She said it was multiple choice. The answer was right in front of him. As I reflect on that exam, one way of being familiar with those answers was if I had gone over all past exams. Because history tends to re repeat itself. Similarly, in looking at our economic and financial crisis, we need to look at history for lessons. So I went to history, and I looked at three distinct crises in world history. The Weimar Republic, 1921 to 1924. Zimbabwe, 2003 to 2009, and the recent global financial crisis, 2008 to 2009. How did businesses fare and position themselves during those periods? And what lessons and insights can we learn? Interestingly enough, throughout all these crises, including even the Great Depression, consumer spending did not change as significantly or deteriorate as rapidly as the macroeconomy did. But companies struggle to change their cost structure quickly enough to adapt to the rapidly changing economic circumstances. 
I called my classmate, my old classmate Jamie in New York, who works for a large multi-billion dollar macro fund. And I discussed this speech with him. He said, Sangu, isn't your focus on Vima and Zimbabwe a bit drastic? I mean, Ghana is still growing at 5 to 6%. I said, Jamie, I will never forget my experience on Wall Street in 2008. I was at Goldman Sachs at the time in their special situations group where we invested $40 billion on a principal basis using the The top investment banks, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Lehman Brothers, Merrill Lynch and Bear Stearns were the cream of the crop on Wall Street. And Goldman prided itself on being the film of the top of that cream. That summer, we were on a high. Earnings couldn't be higher. And everyone started dreaming and in their dreams spending another record year of bonuses. This was only August. By October, Lehman Brothers, the storied 158-year-old investment bank that had survived the Great Depression, collapsed and was no more. Bear Stearns, where I worked in 2007, ceased to exist. Merrill Lynch was forced in a sale to Bank of America. The economic devastation was unprecedented since the Great Depression. And trillions of dollars were wiped out in consumer wealth. But only a few months earlier, we were smiling and laughing and dreaming of how we'll spend our bonuses. This is why, in our current crisis in Ghana, I think it's prudent to imagine and plan for economic Armageddon scenarios. What if the dollar reaches 10 Ghana? Do you have a plan for it? There are two ideas I will humbly offer for consideration. The first is recapitalization. In the famous biblical tale of David and Goliath, David faces Goliath, this monstrous giant warrior from Philistine. David had no chance, yet he was able to conquer him with a slingshot. In these turbulent times, a recapitalization can be your slingshot against our FX and economic Goliath. Going back to the global financial crisis, Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley ended up being the only first-tier banks that survived the crisis. How did they do it? And what lessons can we learn? Equity recapitalization played a huge role. Goldman Sachs sold $5 billion of preferred stock with a 10% dividend yield to the legendary American investor Warren Buffett, along with warrants to buy $5 billion of Goldman common stock at $115 a share, $10 below Goldman's share price when the deal was announced. Goldman, in addition, issued an additional $5 billion in common equity. Now, interestingly enough, the Goldman preferred that was held by Warren Buffett was structured such that it could be redeemed at any time at a 10% premium. So this gave Goldman the flexibility to pay off the issue if it could obtain more attractive financing later in a calmer market. To be fair, Goldman could have gotten a better deal by selling $5 billion of convertible preferred stock in the open market or to a group of private equity firms. However, Goldman realized that the key to the deal 
was not just the cash, but the imprimatur and the allure that comes from Mr. Buffett investing in your firm. It's the ultimate stamp of confidence. And in this crisis, which we have already diagnosed as a crisis of confidence, any steps to bolster investor confidence in your company is paramount and potentially transformational. Morgan Stanley similarly took in a life-saving equity investment of $9 billion from Mitsubishi UFJ in Japan. But Morgan also decided to change its business model substantially. It acquired Smith Barney's brokerage operations, repositioning itself more as an asset manager than a pure investment bank, thus being less exposed to the vagaries of the capital markets. Given our economic climate, it could be prudent to raise equity financing in U.S. dollars to give you the financial cushion to ride out the storm and to also provide excess cash for the second suggestion I will discuss shortly. A lot of Ghanaian-owned businesses, to be frank, have a strong aversion to equity sales, preferring to own 100% of their businesses. I've had a lot of arguments with my old man about this. This year marks his 40th anniversary as an entrepreneur in Ghana since founding Rabito in 1974. And I appreciate his pride in and the need for indigenous-owned businesses. But as I argue with my dad, 100% of $1 is $1. 20% of $1,000 is $200. So perhaps our focus should be less on percentage ownership and more on value creation, especially where the dilution allows you to gain growth capital to significantly expand your valuation. Consider Mark Zuckerberg, who owns 22% of Facebook. But he's worth $33 billion. He's doing okay. <laughs> or Larry and Sergey, the co-founders of Google, they each only own 16%. But they are each worth $28 billion. They are doing okay. There are still ways to structure equity investments to preserve control. For example, in the case of Zuckerberg, he created a separate class of voting shares, of which he's the majority owner. So even with a 22% stake, he still controls the majority of the voting shares in Facebook. But not all capital is equal. As in the Warren Buffett example, and especially for publicly traded companies in Ghana, the choice of investor can be a powerful signal to the markets. The second issue for consideration is strategic investments. Going back to the legendary Warren Buffett, who said, Be fearful when others are greedy, and greedy when others are fearful. With fresh financing from an equity issuance, you can have the dry powder to take advantage of the inevitable distress that will ensue. Zimbabwe's crisis here offers some compelling anecdotes. The legendary African entrepreneur, Strive Masiiwa, founder of Econet, shares a story how during the Zimbabwean crisis, when hyperinflation took control of the country, and you walk in today, bread is one million, tomorrow is one billion, he decided to use his equity to make asset purchases. At one point, expanding the balance sheet by almost a billion dollars. 
Because in that way, equity became a valuable currency for him to take advantage of the distress and to acquire assets at a significant discount to their intrinsic value. And it also gave him the staying power to be able to survive the crisis. And when it was over in 2009, he yielded the dividends of that long-term play. So what should guide your investments or acquisition strategy? Again, Buffett provides an example. Amidst the global financial crisis, Buffett acquired one of America's largest freight railway operators, Burlington Northern Santa Fe, in a deal worth $44 billion at a time when everyone was running away from America. He reasoned that just because we are in a crisis doesn't mean people are going to stop using trains. And even if demand falls, you are well positioned to ride a recovery. Buffett has always stated a preference for simple businesses that will not stop because of economic turbulence. And that's why he loves and is still one of the largest investors in Coca-Cola. Another consideration is Pan-African expansion. Look at West Africa alone. With a francophone zone, you can have exposure to the CEFA, which is pegged to the euro, or to the Naira, which has enjoyed relatively more stability. And you also have access to a larger market of 200 million people. For our investment portfolio at Golden Palm, I've been spending a lot of time in Francophone Africa, East Africa, and Nigeria, looking to diversify away from CD exposure. I believe we should go on the offensive rather than the defensive. Acquire today from a relative position of strength than be acquired tomorrow from your depth of weakness. In conclusion, we've explored two ideas, recapitalization and strategic investments that are focused on financial optimization and repositioning of your business amidst this crisis. But there are limits to these strategies. Ultimately, what we really need is financial optimization and repositioning of our country. Our problems are structural, and Band-Aid measures will only provide temporary relief. We are badly in need of structural overhaul of our economy. We are in need of tax reform, where we can lower taxes, expand the tax net, and on a net basis grow receipts, as Egypt demonstrated in 2005, and I'll add, against the advice of the IMF and the World Bank. Egypt cut taxes to 10% and 20%, and tax receipts went up 50%. Egyptians reasoned, if it's 10%, why dodge? <laughs> but we need to pull together and work together. Grind this together. And ultimately, Ghana's recovery will be a boon to all of us. And we will all enjoy the dividends of her economic success. Let me leave you on a non-financial note. Daniel Goleman in his study of emotional intelligence said that, having hope means that one will not give in to overwhelming anxiety, a defeatist attitude, or depression in the face of difficult challenges or setbacks. Hope is more than the sunny view that everything will turn out all right. It is believing you have the will and the way to accomplish your goals. For the sake of our republic and the fortunes of our children, I wish you that hope, fortitude, and perseverance in these trying times. Our growth and our future as a nation depends on you. God bless you. God bless your businesses.
and God bless our beloved republic. 31 minutes past the hour of 7. And if you were listening, I'm sure you picked up some very crucial lessons. And I have my own lessons. And I have 15 of them. And three of them came from Sangudele's presentation. I'm sure for those who also were listening, you understand the context in which the Armageddon scenario came up and all the offshoots that came from the possibility of the dollar hitting 10 Ghana cities and what business leaders would do if it did happen. Well, my own three things that I picked up, I'm going to share them with you and then I'm going to go for a brief musical break. When I come back, let's talk about our teenagers. But first thing I learned from Sangu Daily, options available to companies in the turbulent Ghanaian market include recapitalization, strategic equity investment, and then Pan-African diversification, among others. He said the ownership of a 100% of a company where 10,000 is still 10,000, but owning 30% of a company where 100,000 is 30,000 Ghana cities. As simple as that. He says Mark Zuckerberg owns only 22% of Facebook, but is worth $33 billion. Selling equity shares in your business spreads the risk and shares the reward the most important thing is to craft an agreement that doesn't wipe out your control number two he said we need a financial and structural overhaul of the economy and he cites the example of egypt that cut taxes to 10 and 20 percent and tax receipts rose by 50 percent the simple reasoning if it is 10 percent why dodge that is the second lesson I picked from Sangudele. The third one is that Ghanaian leaders must go on the offensive. Ghanaian business leaders must go on the offensive and seek for new opportunities rather than retreat and remain on the defensive. He says, acquire today from a relative position of strength rather than be acquired tomorrow from a relative position of weakness. Those are the thoughts of Sangudele. And my 15 my summary of top 15 lessons from the Festival of Ideas will be captured in Tuesday's edition of the Graphic Business. You want to find it there and you will get the full complement of the 15. I'm going to play back to you some of the thoughts shared by business leaders who attended the conference. And I must say that we had probably in the history of the Festival of Ideas the biggest array of top business leaders. Here is what some of them said after the conference. Please stay with us. My name is Patience Achiado, Managing Director, Barclays Bank, Ghana. And for me, what attracted me to this festival of ideas was the, you know, is the fact that Barclays Bank is in a business of innovation, so ideas are our passion. And uh, from tonight's meeting, I've learned quite, you know, a lot from the three speakers, you know, about how to position yourself strategically to take advantage of opportunities that come up in situations that other people see as crisis and uh, I'm going back you know with renewed them to support uh, the businesses that we partner to navigate this kind of environment that we all find challenging. I'm Kujo Henichi, CEO of IFS Financial Services. Um, Festival of Ideas 2014 has been useful to me personally and to my company. Um, we've been thinking about um, diversifying our business portfolio, both in terms of um, the products and services we offer, in terms of our, the areas in which we invest, and geographically as well. Um, 
some of the thoughts that we, 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 we shared this evening validate our thoughts and we are encouraged um, to, to go in boldly and to invest in other areas like um, real estate, pharmaceuticals, which are not typical um, industries that you associate with financial institutions. But we want to do that. Um, this is the time to take opportunity um, and invest with uh, some of our clients who have given us those opportunities. I am Ivan Abriri, um, Managing Director of Ghana Life Insurance Company. I'm President of the Ghana Insurance Association. Um, it has been worthwhile I mean, coming this evening. And uh, for me, it's about how we should manage the crisis as we face it. And uh, seriously, um, of course, like I said in there, I took a lot from Asawatebo, and of course uh, the two gentlemen that also spoke, there were strategies that I'm, I'm going to look at. The strategy of uh, diversification, and also the strategy that has to do with the fact that you would only thrive in crisis. So we should, we should be watching out for the opportunities in these crises. As an insurance company, quick thoughts have come to my mind, and definitely um, me and my team, some of them were here. We'll try to see how we can cash on some areas that I've already started thinking about. So for me, it's been worthwhile, and I would, I would look forward to coming again next year. The thoughts of some business leaders who attended uh, the Festival of Ideas. And I will be sharing some of them with you next week as I bring you also the thoughts of Vikram Mansharamani, who flew in from Yale and who was very, very insightful in some of the thoughts he shared about the next five areas of opportunity to look for in the next decade, where all the money will come from. If you want to know, join us in Springboard, the virtual university next week. But this is Joy 99.7 FM. Everything happens here on the virtual university and on your superstation. I'm going to go for a brief musical break. When I come back, I have five teenagers who want to tell us how they will run things in the next decade, how they would lead from the front and do things differently from our generation. And that's why we think that the Teen Preneurship Conference is an amazing opportunity for everyone between the ages of 12 and 19. Just get these teenagers to be with us for a week. Let's reposition them and share with them tools that can help them to be at the very forefront. I, I'm going to share some testimonies with you about how some that began with us a, a few years ago are now at the very front line, including the two who just returned from South Africa. And so it's the turn of the teenagers to take us to the next level. We have done our bit, but they want to show us it can be done differently. And Edwin Potaki, you got the, 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 the chapter right, it's Proverbs 29 of the earlier scriptures I give. So you get, you get to win yourself a copy, a ticket to teenpreneurship, even before I introduce my guests in the show. I have a, a band of teenagers, four of them, aged between 13 and 17. Let me start with the youngest. Young man, your name's your name first, and how? Uh, my name is Toby Wood. Toby Wood. Yes, please. Your ages? I'm 13 years old. 13 years old. And you've been, you've been at teenpreneurship how many, how many times? Um... I've been at teenpreneurship for about four or five times. I started when I was eight. Right. You were the, one of the few people who broke the age barrier. You insisted <laughs> on attending when you were eight. Very uh, underage. You know, we normally use overage players. This was an underage player. So tell me, what has been the most significant addition of, of, of teenpreneurship to yourself as a person? 
to myself, well, I say, I think the best thing I learned from teampreneurship was public speaking. Right. Because, you know, when you start from a young age and in teampreneurship, they really get you on a startup plan for life. So because I started from there, I really got that, you know, feel of the outside world from that young age. So then I've, I've been, you know, kind of a mini public speaker and I've been helping my friends and all. So I've been, you know, getting people to go to teampreneurship. So. Wow. Yeah, an ambassador of the conference and, and a mini public speaker. I like that one. Yes. But tell me, what's your favorite subject when you speak in public? What's your favorite topic? My favorite topic? Um, Have you given a speech that got people wowed? Well... Actually, not necessarily. I have actually. It was, but then it was all written speeches right. that I had to pick on a specific topic. But um, if anything, I would like uh, I like motivational speeches. Right. You know, stuff that I've heard from past times. Try to you know apply it. Right. Let me go to you. Let me go to you. I like your haircut. <laughs> when I grew up, I cut my hair like that. <laughs> so your name is? Um, my name is Shalin, and then fully do. And I'm 16 years old. Right, Shalin, you 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 got the privilege of attending the Africa Leadership Academy on the on the scholarship of the Teenpreneurship Conference, yes. our, our partnership with the Africa Leadership Academy. So tell me, how was South Africa for you? Um, it was a life-changing experience. You got born again. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's why we normally talk about life-changing experience. Tell me what happened. Was it cold? It was very cold, actually. It was there was a one morning where it was about one degree outside. And we had to go and jog outside early in the morning and do push-ups and all sorts of physicals to stay alive. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the program itself. The summer camp it was three weeks. Yeah, it was three weeks. Give or take. How was it like when you got there? The people you met were they different uh, from the way we do things here in Ghana? What was the experience like? You have some ideas. Uh, initially, nobody was communicating with anyone. Uh, majority of the people were Nigerians, surprisingly. But there were quite a few people from elsewhere. Hong Kong, um, America, uh, all over the world, actually. I think it was a wonderful experience because it helps you to connect with a wide variety of people and learn the backgrounds of numerous cultures. Right. Let me cross over to you. Your name? Uh, Ari Wood. Ari, so tell me, you're, you, you were also... Um, at the African Leadership Academy. Yep. What was the big takeaway from the conference or the the, the, the boot camp, summer camp as a way? Um, the biggest thing that I'd say that really got to me was the fact that we actually got to work with real life people to solve real life problems. Because one of the main features of the program was that we weren't just taught leadership, we actually put on the field real life people. The They sent us to sites, community sites, and we were taught to find out what the need of these sites were. They weren't, we weren't told. We actually just had to find, talk to the people themselves, interview them, find out what they really needed, and come up with a real-life solution that they would implement. And this isn't just some classroom thing where there's a case study and we're supposed to read it and find out what it is and then they mark us on it. This, this is real life. And that was right. the thing that really got to me, that we actually got to make a difference, a real difference. You, you, you keep referring to real. Does, does it give you the impression that the kind of education that we have here sometimes borders on the unreal, for lack of a better word? Uh, yes, I'd say so. Cause talk about talk, Tell me about it. Well, you'd open the textbook and read a case study, come up with a hypothetical solution, 
and think, oh yes, this would work. But one thing you really get, in fact, the first thing you learn about working with the real world is failure. And with my team, we <laughs> learned about that very quickly and we dealt with it quite a lot. The first idea we came up with, it was it's actually quite ironic. The first idea we came up with, they liked it, but when we went back to ALA to build on it, we realized that we didn't have it in a budget to carry it out. So first thing we learned was money doesn't fix everything. Now we had to come up with something that didn't require that much money. So we figured, okay, let's find a way for them to start making money. What was the first project? We had to build an airport. Okay, <laughs> I think I should. Okay, so just to start off, the site we were working at was called the Elton John Masimbambi Sani OVC Center. I like saying it because it took me all three weeks to learn the name. Um, they take in vulnerable children, where vulnerable means they're either double orphaned or their guardians have HIV. Either they or their guardians have HIV. And they take these children in at an early age. And it's sort of run like a daycare center where after school they come there and they learn life skills, they get helped with their homework and all kinds of things just to keep them off the streets. And it's a safe place for them. That was the main aim for it, aim of it. Um, when we were sent there, we were told to find out what they needed. And we figured the first thing that first major thing we figured out that they needed was okay they take care of children young children and they must have to they have to keep them safe so safety is the biggest priority so we thought what better way that what better way to keep the children safe than to give them carpet grass that way if they fall the impact is lighter uh, carpet grass has i mean compared to regular grass the maintenance isn't as high right. and it lasts longer so we thought, okay, this is a great idea. And the guys themselves liked it. They thought we had answered their prayers. Then we went back to school. And found that the prayer wasn't answered. And the prayer wasn't right. answered. So what, was, what was the alternative project? The alternative project, well, we figured that since we didn't have money, the issue was money, of course. It, we had only $100 in our whole budget. And we were advised that if you can do it without money, it is advisable. So what do you do? So we figured, hang on. How about instead of giving them what they can buy with money, we actually give them a way to get money. So we thought we actually came up with a f quite a pretty well developed plan to start a social media campaign for them that would work with a crowdfunding website called GoFundMe. Right. Yeah. How did your experience, your previous experience at Team Prenership, prepare you for that kind of um, encounter or experience? Um. Well. I was, I'd say I was, first of all, I was used to working in teams because of it. We had to work in teams and the team I was working with, it, it was, in fact, my team was one of the most, was the strong, the team with the most strong-headed people. Right. That's, I think that's the easiest way to describe our team. So everybody had a good idea and everybody tried to get it through. But Team Returnship really taught me how to work through and work with them on how to get everybody involved. If you want to find out how to work with strong-headed people, the place to send your child is <laughs> the Entrepreneurship Conference. I'm sure it's the business plan competitions that you did yeah. uh, in the previous years. Let me cross over to Nana Okran. Nana, tell me yourself. You've been in every edition of the Entrepreneurship Conference. What has been the impact on your life? Okay. So I've been in every single conference. And so I have been able to treat all the different topics, such as... Well, there are certain topics that you're not taught in school or that you don't really know that you have to learn on your own, whether you want to or not. Like, like certain stuff like budgeting, 
like how to manage your finances, how to make sure that your future is secured, certain things like those you're not taught. You are you're sent out into the world to do whatever to find a way to get it done. And so teenpreneurship sits you down, has skilled resource people come in and then teaches you how to do it in a fun way. So it's not just you sitting in a room board. And it's taught me the power of networking because there are certain people that you meet at the program. It's not it's like different walks of life. So you meet different people and it gives you a broader view on life. So that's the biggest takeaway for me. Tell me about your blog. Okay. Um, okay. So I, as he said, I blog. Right. On what I see around me that I feel should be spoken about. Right. So I wrote something recently on rape. I, if, or just like an uplifting message for the day, like go up and go out and be happy. Do something that you haven't done before. Greet someone that you never met. Do you get responses to your posts? Usually. How does it feel? It feels nice to see that people actually read what I write. It's not just me in my room. Right. Annoying people. <laughs> <laughs> so you learned about blogging from Team Friendship Yes, conference. there was and there, right. there were sessions on that. Right. I think was it Ehi and um, Kwame who handled that session. I forgot. It was quite an interesting session. Right. So tell what's, what's the name of your blog? Um. AKSpeaks.wordpress.com Right. Alright, so check out the blog and find out what's there. If you want to find out how to blog. And the place to be, Team Prenership Conference. The venue is the Osui Ebenezer Presby Hall. It's a Monday, the 25th. That is next week, Monday. The 25th to the 29th of August. The time is 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. And the rate is 100 Ghana CDs. Heavily subsidized. So does the deal. You drop your teenagers off in the morning with us. And you come back for them at 5 p.m. every day. We give them lunch. We give them snacks. We keep them engaged. We have fun with them. We learn with them. We play with them. And then you pick them up every evening. And by the time it's true, you, you get money back guarantee. If at the end of the five days you are so excited and thrilled that you feel that you've gotten much more value, then you pay us double the amount you paid. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a wonderful contract? Yeah. <laughs> Let, tell me, was any of you, uh, did any, any of you have trepidation when you were told to come to Team Prenation? Like you didn't want to come or something? Any of you with that kind of experience that when you came and that you found that it was, it was, it was worth your while? Uh, no. You were brought, you were hauled <laughs> Well, first time, I was like, okay, something to do with the summer. And then, it was definitely something to do with the summer. I, I learned so much I didn't know before. Like, she, as you said, the finances and also building your CV and proposals. Actually, those are things that I am using right now, in fact, even from with the Have GSP. you ever had to use your CV since you wrote it at the Team Prenership Conference? Yes. Right. Two, in fact, two days ago, where I had to draw up a CV for the GSP Ambassadors Program. Uh, yeah, I had to draw up a CV for them. And it helped knowing that I had past knowledge on how to do it and right. what to do. The most interesting experience as an organizer was the fact that some parents came and said, we also do have CVs in our children. <laughs> our children have CVs. All right. So that's six minutes to the hour of eight o'clock. And if you want to know more about the Teen Preneurship Conference, the number to call 0544 
0241015161 or 024. This one is easier. 0249999555. If you call these numbers, you'll get some more details about the team premiership conference. The good news is that if you are convinced about investing in someone, every year half the attendees are sponsored because we believe that a conference is an opportunity to raise the next generation and not every family can afford that opportunity. So we've identified people who really genuinely want to attend but who do not have the resources. If you are listening tonight and you want to just say, hey, I want to sponsor two children, one male, one female, to attend teen preneurship, we'll actually make, make, make it possible. Just call these numbers and we'll put you in touch with people who genuinely want to attend but who cannot afford it. That would be very nice for you to give something back. We never, never got a chance to learn about these things when we were growing up. Somehow we managed. Um... Let me go to the one who set us off on our way to give us an idea about what's coming up next. So, Toby Wood, is that correct? Yes. Toby Wood, tell me, when you look into the future, what do you think about the future at age 13? Are you confident? Are you, what, what do you think about the future? What do I think about the future? Um, well, in this sense, I feel that, yeah, there'll be more teampreneurships to come. And each and every session, they will improve on the things going on to, in society because you as we know technology is you know improving so they help us to utilize different technologies and you know basically set us up so because i'm thinking of becoming a businessman but then i figure businessman is too general so i was thinking of a global trader right which which trader in what what are you thinking on what's exciting you um cars Cars. What cars. about cars? Building them, manufacturing them, distributing them, distributing riding them. them. Yeah. Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to be like a major car distributor, like ha- maybe having my own company. Right. So you look into the future with confidence, knowing that you can build that business. Definitely. Wh- which other thing excites you? Which other career excites you? We're talking about multiple careers. What else excites you? Hmm. What else excites me? Well, initially. Before everything, I think when I was seven or earlier, I wanted to be a musician. Wow, that's exciting. You can still still sell cars and be a musician, can't you? Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe have a little side business. You know, (laughs) right. Let me give an announcement, and when I come back, I'm going to give each of you 30 seconds to tell us your closing thoughts before. Pastor Ransford, you you love young people. You work with young people, develop young people. What do you think about the idea of young people being so confident, articulating their thoughts, and, and looking into the future with hope. Isn't it good for our country? It's the best we can have. Yeah. Because that, that's, if you will, that's the prophecy that God gave to Joel. Wow. That in, the, in those days, he will pour his spirit out on all flesh. Right. And we will see a manifestation of what God can do. So, hearing these young ones, you know, so articulate and smart, and given the opportunity, we know they can do great stuff. Right. Yeah. And on, on the work with you, what are you talking about today? We're talking leadership with spirituality and foresight. Well, well, this is foresight at work. Live and <laughs> talent. <laughs> All right. Pastor Ransford, that was the host of the work with Jesus, comes up in two minutes. But before I give my, my panelists a chance to give me their 30-second wrap-up statement, let me remind you, if you are an organization, a business listening tonight, beyond the Festival of Ideas, our corporate training program for the months of September, October, and November, Driving Sales Growth is the model for September the 17th and 18th, full day, 9 a.m. till 4 p.m. And that will empower sales managers about how to own their targets, build credibility, and exceed their targets. Driving Sales Growth. 
in the month of October, we'll be doing public speaking and corporate presentation. I once saw an executive director freeze when he saw an audience. Brilliant leader, but public speaking was a challenge for him. And now Toby Wood says he's a mini public speaker. If you want to be like Toby Wood, 8th and the 9th of October, the time is 9 a.m. till 4 p.m. We'll teach you how to overcome stage fright and to present with clarity and with confidence and style. The final one is for the month of November, the 5th and the 6th of November. Time management and efficiency. Time is the resource we all have in equal measure, but some use it well, some don't. This model will enrich you to optimize your time and to make take full advantage of every single day as a leader. The rate is 640 Ghana cities for each model. It's a two-day model, and the venue is the Knowledge Center at East Legon. Just call our hotlines for this conference, 0544, or training, 0544-315164, or 024-99-99555. You'll get some more details about our corporate training. Let me sign off with my young people. Let me give you one word. When you look into the future, what do you think about? Let me start from Nana. When you look into the future, give me one word that you think about. Change. Change is the word. Why? Because everything around us is transforming from what we know and what we believe. And the change can either be positive or negative. Which one do you like? Uh, everybody likes positive. Everybody likes positive change. Okay. Let me go to you, Sean. Is Chantel? Shalin. 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 <coughs> One word. Um, innovation. Why? Because currently the mindsets of people are changing and young people are currently coming up with uh, lots of new creative ideas that people never thought of or looked at before. So I think in times to come, innovation would be key. Innovation would be key. Ari Wood. One word. Hope. Why? Um... I mean, let's face it, the world we're living in, it's broken, but everything that's broken can be fixed. Hmm. And as we grow up, every new child is a new engineer. That's the way I see it. Every new child is a new engineer, and the world that is broken can be fixed. Take us home, Toby Wood. One word. Um, <laughs> uh, interaction. Why? Um, because I feel that as we are growing older, as people are, as the world is changing, People are starting to be braver and starting to now open up and talk to more people, giving them new chances and opportunities. Thank you very much. And so on this interactive note, my name is Reverend Albert Okran and I've been supported by my registrar, the boss herself, Comfort Okran, Matthew and Amos. So we come away again next week with another edition of Springboard, the Virtual University. God bless you, God bless you, and God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 Zero, zero, zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. No more searching.